Welcome to NFT C-Suite, the show where we learn how brand innovators leverage NFTs. I'm your host, Adam Connor, and my guest today is Christian Ferry, the CEO at NFT Pro. Back in 2017, virtually no one was thinking about the world of NFTs, but Christian was knee-deep in it. He'd been working in the blockchain for five years then, and after 10 years of experience today, not only was he early, he's also an expert and now leading the charge in the enterprise technology surrounding it. So not only today will you learn about the wild, wild web three world, according to Christian, you'll also learn why enterprise technology is so important as a brand focus when talking about NFTs. And sure, we'll also talk about how they're growing and where they're going. This is Christian Ferry on NFT C-Suite. Christian, thanks for sitting down, and educating me a little bit. First off, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Adam. It's a pleasure. First things first, tell me a little bit about yourself, and then we'll dive into this deep world of NFTs. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, so I started in uh, blockchain, um, what we call DLT, decentralized ledger technologies, about ten years ago. Uh, I was running a, an innovation practice at one of the big four consulting firms in San Francisco, so uh, I had the opportunity to kind of work really early on with uh, quite a bit of enterprises back then, Fortune 500s, around the implementations of blockchain, mainly for supply chain trackability purposes. And um, after that, I've been consulting my own for several years to um, several companies around, again, uh, DLT, blockchain integration, and so on. Um, and LP, LP in a couple of funds. And in 17, when NFTs came out, I started a company called Blockstar uh, to really work with uh, large companies, enterprises, and help them really kind of enter the Web3 back then. It's about digital twins, so pairing physical products with uh, a digital component uh, via an NFT. Uh, and that company grew into NFT Pro, which is today the number one enterprise-grade solution for large uh, companies. So you were thinking about this all the way back in 2017. Did I hear that right? Uh, that's correct. Who in the world was thinking about that other than you at that time? Well, there was Dapper Labs with CryptoKitties. Um, and then 18, early 18, OpenSea came out, and they were tackling more of the uh, you know hardcore crypto users and uh, basically the amateurs, the, uh, the artists uh, uh, from a bottom-up approach. And I completely missed that approach. For me, NFTs were a great way for enterprises to engage with the users. I seen that as a way for them to extract liquidity out of their brands, to basically uh, be able to kind of go beyond just the physical productions, be able to kind of uh, sell their likeness and products and anything they wanted um, via virtual worlds and via virtual commerce, in a sense. So for us, as always, for me, it's always been an enterprise play. Let's talk about that then, because now, of course, this world is much, much more popular than it was in 2017, if, if nothing else, definitely more widely known. And mm -hmm. I've even heard of OpenSea at this point. But here we are in 2022, and you talk about NFT Pro being enterprise grade. Can you explain what exactly makes something that's a solution for NFTs enterprise grade versus not? Yeah, sure. So, so there's obviously there's a lot of uh, NFT providers out there. We have five categories. Um, the first one is mass market marketplaces. Those are the one that I said, like the OpenSea, the Rarible, the Super Rare, really like self-service uh, platform where anyone can really go and, and, and mint and sell and trade their own NFTs. Now you have the, the curated uh, marketplace is what, what we call the gallery model. So the galleries work just like a gallery. You can just go in there and sell service and you know do your NFTs. We have to work with them to bring it to market. Uh, large companies, large IP owners, care too much about control, care too much about their brand identity, um, the analytics, uh, the way that uh, informations and you know uh, PII are handled. 
And so they would never, you know, really care about going into these mass market um, situations. Um, the third cluster are the blockchain companies. So those are the Polygon, the Cardano. And there's a lot of confusion around that, thinking that, you know, for you to enter Web3 and be able to kind of run your, you know, NFT campaigns, you just need a blockchain uh, layer. And it's actually far from the truth. That's just one component of a uh, suite of components that you need. You need uh, single sign-on. You need KYC and AML. You need enterprise-grade payment processing. You need primary and secondary marketplaces. You need mobile application. You need to customize your UX UI. You need API sockets in the back to connect with your CRM, your Tableau for analytics. You need a lot, a lot more. And so, you know, eventually what we've seen in a lot of the companies doubling with uh, with blockchain providers that eventually come to us because they need a ready-made solution. They don't have the time or the know-how um, to really kind of build it from scratch. Uh, the four cluster are the agencies. Um, and so those are the Dapper Labs, uh, the Candies. And their model is a little different, is that they're actually a built, um, hired to build, in a sense. So they, they really kind of don't have a technology to build it from scratch for you. Um, and so the technology, the business model, it takes about 12 to 18 months. Uh, so it's a built-to-spec model. And a lot of the companies, they really don't want to do that. It's almost like saying, hey, you know, we're a company is looking to, to acquire uh, CRM capabilities and is hiring a developer to build their own CRM to spec. I mean, very, very, very few companies do that. 99% of the company, they just buy off the shelf from, uh, from Salesforce. And the fifth clusters are the white label. And within the white labels, you have, you know, these are basically, you know, ready-made, 80% standardized, 20% customizable, um, plug-and-play, only one solution that have all the bits and pieces, bells and whistles that, you know, um, any user might need. And within the white label, there are two subcategories. One is the more of the, the artist, the lower-level users, um, in a sense that, you know, those folks that basically don't, don't require specific um, capabilities from a legal, financial, payment, uh, GDPR compliance standpoint, uh, those might be artists, for example. And then you have the enterprise-wide label, which basically are, you know, really built for the enterprises. Obviously, as enterprises, they have a, a huge amount of requirements around the way they run things, right? And so, you know, this enterprise-wide label are meant to fit really into that enterprise ecosystem. And uh, within that subcategory, while um, NFT Pro, my company, is the only the only one as of today to provide the service. Um, and so we're kind of have our unique niche right now, but we've seen tremendous growth in the past six months. Enterprises are really coming in right now because they want to enter Web3 and they realize that the first step is to have their own system, being able to integrate within their you know uh, ecosystem, have uh, the analytics, uh, and run it with the processes and the rigor that an enterprise needs. You know what's interesting is I, I talked to brand executives a lot. And I've just started floating out this term, NFTs. Hey, you want to talk about it? Do you know anything about it? And some people will say, oh, yeah. And that's about as far as it goes. So I'm guessing that they probably are in some of those earlier clusters that aren't as enterprise grade as you mentioned. And hey, it's always going to be first to market to something. But it's on that note that I got to ask the next question because all of these terms are coming together really at once. I hear NFTs, I hear Web3, and I kind of feel like executives are sort of just like stumbling along saying, yeah, I'm like fake it till I make it knowledge. 
in your view, can you just sum this up for us? Because my guess is we're going to have CMOs listen to this that um, maybe don't know anything or are trying. What is the evolution of this web? What is this 3.0 thing? Can you explain that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So you're absolutely right. There's a big confusion with all this lingo, right? In a general sense, we have to think about Web3 as a succession to Web2. Um, so Web2, back in the 90s, the idea of e-commerce, um, what we call, um, started back then, right? So we went from physical commerce to what we call e-commerce. So the ability for you to kind of use the internet to kind of, you know, uh, for different purposes, right? From, uh, from um, shopping purposes to social, uh, to add, you know, the social component with social networks and so on. So that kind of ecosystem developed out of Web2. And so now Web3... Uh, is moving into the next step, which is more of a peer-to-peer model where there's less um, divide between entities. Um, information is shared across all the participants of the web. And there's ownership of data that floats around uh, the ecosystem. And so NFTs are a component of that in a way that they can really authenticate those records, that information, whether they're assets or identities or real estate transactions, and those are owned um, and distributed uh, around. There are permission around to really uh, be able to, you know, function. Uh, for example, like um, we talk about virtual commerce, um, it's really hard to do that in a Web two situation where you you can't really guarantee the authenticity of the digital assets. Um, NFTs change that. Web three really enable uh, virtual commerce. So a lot of the companies that for hundreds of years have been producing physical products and now find themselves at a crossroad and say, hey, you know, the future is physical, but also digital. And we have the opportunity to kind of really amplify and double our business just by selling uh, more of our products, more of our brands, more of whatever we want uh, in virtual commerce. And obviously right now for the lack of infrastructure, we see mainly collectibles, company using that right now for engagement, loyalty, retentions. But obviously with video games adopting NFTs, with um, metaverses adopting NFTs, you can easily see how this becomes the Amazon of the digital world. So that's one simple example. Uh, we have companies obviously looking at NFT to passport products. So they're saying, hey, we have zero visibility on secondary sales of our products. We'd like to add a passport to each of our products to be able to monetize on secondary sales, to have the analytics on who's buying it, geodemographics, um, and to kind of increase that kind of loyalty component to make sure that you know future buyers will stay loyal to the brand. Uh, we have clients using NFTs for permissioning uh, sensitive data like CAD files or patents inside and outside the company to entities that they don't necessarily trust, but they have to work with. So NFTs are a great way to basically track your information, make sure that um, those files are used in the proper way, uh, and you still have ultimate control of what's happening to those files, um, and on and on and on. So Web3 is the general sense of like understanding the peer-to-peer model um, that expands unique case studies, unique capabilities that enterprises are getting ready for. Greater authenticity of product, more access to data, a better, more peer-to-peer ecosystem. That's what I'm picking up here. That's what at least I feel that you're laying down. I think I've got that pretty okay. And yet I still think about NFTs and thank you for previewing this for me as mostly those collectibles and digital art that you mentioned. Why don't you think they are being used for other things yet? Is it just that lack of infrastructure? Is it lack of enterprise grade solution? Why haven't people made that jump yet? If this truly is the future? Yep. No, it's a great point. I think, um, 
there's a lot of again uh, there's a lot of confusions in the market you know when when you say nft to somebody if they ever heard about nfts and they're asking you how to spell it then that was the case back in 17 when we started um they usually associate nfts to cats and dogs and monkeys and collectibles and arts but it's it's that's the first use cases that basically brought nfts to popularity um but now we realize that the nfts are much more than that um or actually enterprises are realizing that it's much more than that if you think about their unique characteristic of nfts first you have the authenticity so let me take a step back and define what really an nft is All right so it's nothing complicated okay so the nft is an id right think about a number with letters and num- like you can deal with letters and numbers now that id is then tied to a record and i didn't say asset i didn't say a cat and a dog i said a record and that record could be again a video uh, a picture uh music but could also be a vin number from a car could be a screenshot of a piece of paper could be anything that you you know you can capture from a physical life and so the combination of the two the id plus that record is then recorded on a distributed ledger aka blockchain and so what that does is basically create a permanent record of that ownership tied to that id and so the world knows that that person um, has access to that id that is tied to that file that is recorded on a distributed ledger that everybody has access to if it's a public blockchain if if it's a permission blockchain only the the actors that have access to that you know distributed ledger can have access to and so that's really powerful because it kind of creates that you know digital ownership that we never had you know in the 90s we talked about e-commerce it's not really e-commerce it's um proxy to physical commerce you buy your stuff from amazon and ebay and then they get shipped home right i mean we know how difficult it is before nfts to to claim ownership of any digital files because automatically the moment that you upload it it gets copied over and over and over and over again so the value of that digital assets whether it's a vin number or whether it's a picture or music goes to zero over time the more it gets copied nfts change that because they have the ability to track the ownership and who minted who created that uh, that asset and who owns it and then from there obviously it's trackable so every time that it changes hand uh, you can see uh, who has it and then you can monetize so every time that you, that a record uh, changes hands for example shoes sneakers um, you buy the pair you sell to somebody nike or any other companies um, that issue that passport can even monetize and can even say hey what who actually bought it next what is the profile of my secondary buyer a lot of these companies have no idea we have clients that have 90,000 cars in the world 6,000 they have visibility of they say what about the rest we'll also kind of give this passport to understand who else is buying it what geo what demographics what what they care about how do we loyalize and bring them into the showrooms how do we give them access to exclusive um content or or showings and how do we make sure that they buy our brand and not somebody else's brands and so the, the trickability component is really interesting, right, for the NFT, which is different from blockchain. A blockchain is a record. NFT provides the mobility of it. So you can take that record and transfer across different actors, right, be able to track it and, you know, and add interesting things like, you know, rewards, incentive, unlock different functions using smart contracts. And so these are some of the things that um, NFT can provide that are, you know, way beyond the capabilities of Web2. So that's what, you know, one of the functionality of Web3 can bring to the market. I think right now it, it, a lot of the enterprises are looking at NFTs again 
as, as a form of virtual commerce, um, especially public companies interesting in boosting their EPS, earning per share. Um, they're very looking uh, avidly at NFTs, obviously, because marginal cost of production of NFT is pretty much zero. Uh, it's global, and they can issue as many as they want. Um, and so it hits the bottom line pretty hard, which boosts their EPS. So quarterly calls with analysts tend to go very well after that. Um, they're using NFT also to uh, better understand what their production should be looking like. So we've seen, and we learned about this, we, we didn't know when we started, that obviously, you know, as you start producing digital products, you can really target where you want to sell this. And you don't have to produce them, right? Let's say that Levi is trying to produce a, a pink jeans in Thailand, 18 to 25, uh, does it work? Um, they don't have to produce and kind of get expensive manufacturing process in place, right? They can just kind of run it and see what is the, the feedback back from the market. And if the big feedback is positive, they can start production. So it's a very interesting kind of inexpensive serving um, focus group that are actually doing using NFTs. Uh, but again, as I was saying, uh, it goes even beyond that. They're realizing that most of the companies, large companies they work with, they have licensing agreement with uh, game publisher, video game publishers. Uh, they realize that the licensing model is broken. They are getting paid pennies on the dollars. They have zero visibility on the use and who's buying or not. They have no way to push back on the uh, royalty reports. That's all they get after 90 days, right? And so they say, well, now with NFT, we can actually claim ownership of our uh, brand and we can engage in a non-exclusive agreement with hundreds of thousands of, of video game publishers, even metaverse developers or AR, VR developers, and really sell our brand. Um, companies are realizing that in the physical world, you have a brand, that you have a product. In the digital world, your brand becomes the product. And so, for example, you know, Ferrari, let's say, to bring it an example, is a car company. But in the digital world, they can be anything they want. They can be gummy bear, a clothing line. They can be, you know, um, spaceships. They can be, you know, guitar. So it can be really whatever the market wants. And so they have built to kind of really expand the capabilities of their brand, um, distribute that brand across different digital environments, right? Um, and work with this and monetize in a much healthier way compared to licensing agreements, have way more data analytics that they would have today with, with licensing agreements, and really create a new revenue stream that kind of it's high margin revenue stream by distributing their branded, trackable, authentic assets across all these different environments, have great analytics, great bottom line. It's magic for them. And the only thing now is just they, they don't know what they don't know. So very few companies are really proactive in this is everything. Uh, and then you have the lagger. They'll come in, you know, five years in, you know. I always have this, this joke and say there were two kind of people that bought Amazon stock, right? There are some people that bought Amazon stocks in 1997 and some people that bought it from their Fidelity account in 2017. Right, so you always have the pioneers and the laggards, but I think it's a it's an educational element to it. And so myself and my company, that's what we're trying to do. You know, we sit down with C level executives, and we just provide an overview of the opportunity, and they listen and they understand that if they don't move, they're going to be left behind. Uh, and they understand that Web three is here to stay, just like Web two was, and they want to jump on it. Is it too early to be talking about some of these other words like metaverse and all that, seeing where that intersects with the brand strategy? Do NFTs and the metaverse play together? Can you explain that briefly here? I, I know that's we haven't gone there yet, and maybe we're just teasing it, but I'll ask you another future-looking question after this. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I think there's, you know, obviously the announcement that um, Facebook made, changing the name Meta, made, uh, you know, world news and I think draw interest. I mean, Metaverse has been around for 25 years. Um, you know, Second Life was one of the first Metaverses, um, you know, the ability for people to kind of really have a creative economy where people would make money of creating digital assets and, and folks will have a second digital life in that world uh, and way before then as well. So, I think now it's more of a fad in a sense. They've been around forever. They haven't gotten mass market until obviously Facebook made it, I guess, mass market. But I think there's a barrier to entry to that in terms of like how you access them. Uh, obviously, now you, you can access through a PC or you have to have um, a pretty bulky headset. Um, Apple is coming out with these mixed reality glasses. I think this year or next year, I think it's going to pave the way for that mass marketability of metaverses that kind of you know, mixed reality experience. I think, you know, and enterprises in general are dabbling in it, are, are testing the water. Some of them, they they set up a small shop into Decentraland, which is one of the metaverses out there. Uh, Sandbox, um, these are blockchain-based environments. Again, they don't necessarily have to be blockchain-based. Uh, Meta is not, uh, for example, right? Uh, but the, the innovation spur about came about, you know, a lot of the blockchain folks. So that's why we have mainly like blockchain-based metaverses. So they're really trying to kind of figure out what this whole thing is about. Um, they don't have a clear strategy. This is actually the most concerning thing to me, um, is that they're thinking about this more from a marketing standpoint, most of them, but very few of them are really sitting down and you know trying things out, experimenting, and then using that data to kind of develop more of a sustainable long-term strategy. So that's what we, my company's here to do. Well, let's round out by asking about that long term. You've been here as long as anybody else in this world since 2017. I'm still reeling from that trivia. But I want to ask you about the next, let's just say, year or two, because you rightly point out that we are approaching a hype cycle, probably, with this NFT, metaverse, everything world. And while there's real and good tech behind it, there will be laggards. Those people might come in after a year or two. So I'd be curious to know from you as we round this out, what should brands anticipate in the next year or two when it comes to these NFT and metaverse strategies? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the most important thing that enterprises have to think about is that NFTs effectively are almost like the TCPIP protocol of Web2. So there are the enabling function that will uh, be the, the backbone of every single uh, transaction of records in the future. And again, I'm not just specifically talking about virtual commerce or uh, collectibles. I'm talking about any single record, not asset by record. That could be an asset, but record means literally anything. It could be a, an invoice number, a VIN number, it could be a, a, a passport to a car, it could be you know, real estate transaction, voting rights, taxes, uh, identities, software licenses, and way more and more and more. And so that's the first step, understanding how the business will actually take advantage of such a new opportunity and what kind of use cases the company can do to become either more efficient or grow faster, better, and achieve their, their long-term objectives. Uh, remember, you know, the Web3 strategy cannot be a separate strategy. The Web3 strategy has to be consistent and support the overall company strategy and perhaps kind of give new inputs on what the future of the company might look like. But the company has to have a strategy itself. 
and then integrate this Web3 strategy to support the company overall model in terms of financial, in terms of engagement, in terms of target demographic, geo, products, product lines, and so on. And the third thing is that, especially product, physical product-based company, that to realize that, you know, especially the younger generation are spending way more time on the digital life that we were, you know, 20 years ago. And I'm talking specifically about the Gen Alpha and the Gen, Gen Z, not just in video games, but, you know, obviously, you know, your phone, uh, metaverses, obviously, you know, um, when Apple will come out with the mixed reality glasses, you know, as we know, Apple has the uncanny ability to kind of bring weird things mass market, um, which is great for some things. We remember when the uh, AirPods first came out, the wireless, uh, we, you know, everybody was looking at each other and say, it's kind of weird. It looks like you cut your wire down and then how this is going to be mass market. I don't have a, a jack into my phone. How do I put in my, you know, earplugs in? I can't put it in. And then it eventually became mass market. And so if you think about that trend, you know, physical product company, they have to realize that, you know, they have to really shift their, uh, their model from being a f- exclusively product company to a hybrid company and being able to um, adopt and adapt a new vehicle to basically distribute their brand, which might be their products, might be other products in the digital world that they don't have access to. Again, in the digital world, your brand is your product, so you can make it whatever you want. And as more the infrastructure gets built over time with you know new video games, new metaverses, new AR, VR experiences, and this is just the beginning, right? Uh, the more you have the opportunity to reach new user, new customers that might be part of your target user or might be new target users that you might be thinking about adding to your community. Um, and also the ability to engage is paramount, right? Web3 is all about peer-to-peer and engagement. So the ability for this company to level up with their user, right, and have a two-way conversation. So for example, instead of just kind of selling them the products they think they want, have them part of the creative process, have them part of that, you know, conversation. And there's no better way to engage than doing that. Um, it's a two-way street. It provides real-time feedback. And the NFT technology and the, in, in general, the blockchain technology allows for that, you know, quick, real-time stream of information going back and forward. And you can incentivize and rewards people that are being good to you, that provide a good input. And it's great. Right, because you don't have to kind of you know hire big three consulting firms, spend a lot of money to kind of do surveying. You can have real time surveying from the community and tell you what they want and provide them back to them tomorrow. And so it's it's a win win win. So I think those are the three things enterprises should be looking into. And I look forward to seeing how they do that for this year in twenty two and onwards. Be honest, it's it's a little more than I can swallow for right now, but for giving us a cursory education in this whole thing and for being a pioneer in the space, Christian, thank you. And I look forward to seeing how you continue to plow ahead in this metaverse NFT world. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Adam. Of course, cursory education is a bit tongue-in-cheek. That was more like a masterclass. And so I thank Christian Ferry for coming on and showing us a thing or two or a hundred about this world. Thanks also to the community of listeners tuning in to NFT C-Suite. We'll be back again real soon with another brand innovator to learn how they leverage NFTs. In the meantime, you can right-click, save as, and download this podcast wherever you listen. And you can also find us socially, NFTPro underscore on Twitter, and of course, NFTPro on LinkedIn. We'll see you next time.